Welcome back to another episode of the Shoot and the Shift podcast. It's me, Antonio. I'm joined by our usual suspects, Will and Jeff. And we have a an action-packed week of baseball to talk about. We are back to our regularly scheduled programming after we had to record a JT Real Muto emergency podcast. And the first order of the day is a massive trade that went down between the Colorado Rockies and the St. Louis Cardinals. Nolan Arenado is moving from Denver to St. Louis. What, what do you guys think about that one? Sheesh. Yeah, I, I think we, we talked about this briefly when it happened, when it first came out earlier this week. Somehow, some way, the St. Louis Cardinals got Nolan Arenado in my opinion, it's a steal. Now, granted, they got Nolan Arenado and $50 million. Right, right. That's a steal. And they didn't have to give up either Dylan Carlson or Gorman in the deal. Not At least even from Weber tour. No, no so the, top 100 no prospects. No top prospects. When the Cardinals have to come. Their, their top, like, I think their top three prospects still in their farm system after trading for one of, if not the best third baseman in ba- baseball. He's one of the best defensive gloves we've seen in a long time. It's just an insane trade. Um, but the contract that Nolan Arenado has is also insane with all the opt-outs that he had in Colorado. Um, and I, I guess he really wanted to get out of Colorado. And maybe Colorado wanted to get rid of him. He he must have said, "I only have I only have a few years left playing baseball. I might as well get weird with it." Yeah, I think that the the opt outs are the whole explanation for why the Rockies would trade him in the first place and why the package was what it was. Because I think clearly the Rockies recognized the fact that this was going to be their last year with Arenado. He was mm-hmm. he was would rather take the chance at maybe not getting the same deal he had, but get out of Colorado. He pretty clearly wanted out. And then you saw a much less than expected return when they did deal him. And they had to give up $50 million along with him just to help pay that contract down. Now, the yeah, Cardinals think- are taking a risk here. Arenado could opt out after one year. But if he's to do that, I read that they will be profiting. Yeah. The Cardinals will profit $15 million if he opts out after this year. Right. So I, I, I think the Cardinals are planning on Arenado staying for the duration of his contract. Um, yeah. He, uh, Nolan Arenado obviously wants to win, and St. Louis is a team that is going to win. Yeah, they're, they got a really – they got a couple good pieces in that. And I, I think not even in the very, lineup, but in the bullpen, they have a good shot at winning the the central this year. Um, so Nolan Arenado, the Cardinals are planning on him staying, and that's why they're giving fifty million dollars to the Cardinals to cover the remaining, basically two hundred million that he's owed. Uh, and here's an interesting statistic: since twenty fifteen, Nolan Arenado has played eight hundred thirty five games has 952 hits, 207 home runs, and 
and an OPS of 962. Since 2015, he has a 33 war. It's second in the major leagues in that time span, or third in the majors behind Mike Trout and Mookie Betts since 2015. So Nolan Arenado is one of the best players in the MLB at the moment. Um, And I think, like we all said, that the Cardinals, it's a steal, just not having to give up one of their top, any of their top prospects, getting $50 million from the Rockies. And it's, it's reminiscent for all the years that when we were younger and the Phillies were successful and we watched the Cardinals also be in that same success range. Matt Holiday was the cornerstone of that team. And now they have their next cornerstone of the team at third base in Nolan Arenado. So it'll be really interesting to see what, what kind of production the Cardinals get in the next couple of years. I think the biggest thing for me is the fact that we'll now get to see Nolan Arenado prove the doubters wrong, saying that he's just a product of Coors Field. Because I think that's really the only knock that anybody can have on Arenado. And I'm with you in the fact that I think that now that he's going to get to play in St. Louis, I see him falling in love with being in contention there. Notably a great stadium, great fans. And I do tend to believe that now Nolan Arenado will be in St. Louis for the long haul. I think so as well. And and I forgot that the manning the other side of the corner of the infields, Paul Goldschmidt. Yeah. So that's two just righties that mash in that rotation or that lineup. Now the Cardinals are going to be pretty good for the next couple of years. Yeah. Now, obviously guys, we saw the Rockies give up basic, the Cardinals, excuse me, basically give up nothing. Do we think, the Rockies are full on sellers this year. Do they move yes. from yes. Trevor's story? The Rockies are selling all of their pieces as quickly as they can. Trevor's story, all the pictures that they have, they're all getting sold. Uh, the Rockies are in no, no spot to even think about wanting to keep those guys because at the end of their contracts, they're all going to walk away. So they might as well just try to get something for them now. I did see something saying that, that the Rockies could look to to retain Trevor Story. But to me, once you make the decision to move on from Arenado, you are pretty clearly selling. There, it makes no sense now to try and pay a bag to Trevor Story. He'll just be in the same position a few years down the road where he wants out mm-hmm. because you have nothing else. You got rid of your, your best player, one of the best players in the sport. And it, at that point, it's a rebuild. It's time for a rebuild in Colorado. Yeah. And so I just want to get your guys' take before we move on. Does this cement the Cardinals as one of the uh, top teams in the National League? Does this well, – I, because I, I think they can be one of the best teams. They'll make – they should make a deep run in the playoffs. You got to thank Paul Goldschmidt. Now Nolan Arenado. I think Paul DeYoung is a fairly underrated player. Uh, Dylan Carlson should come up this season at some point. And then they have Jack Flaherty and, for what he's worth, Adam Wainwright. And a pretty dang good bullpen and a pretty winnable NL Central. I think the Cardinals position themselves to make a deep run in the playoffs for years to come. So prior to the trade and their retaining um, – Yadier Molina, 
I, I still Yachty. I still had uh well, I was pretty sure they would retain Yachty. Um I had the Cardinals as my choice to win the NL Central. Obviously, after the trade, nothing has changed there. Right. They've definitely moved up in the National League rankings, though I still kind of have them pegged at fourth behind powerhouses yeah, I, of the West, the Dodgers and Padres, as well as the Atlanta right. Braves. Yeah, that's that's probably where I put them top four teams in the National League, but that's that's pretty good for the Cardinals. <laughs> I that's mean, a legitimate chance to to contend for the pennant. Right. So moving on from uh, the Cardinals, we saw some pretty minor uh, one-year make-good deals. Eddie Rosario signs a one-year $8 million deal and is going to Cleveland, uh, the Cleveland baseball team right now. They have not decided <laughs> on their name. Uh, hopefully they revert back to the Cleveland Spiders. But this is it. Eddie Rosario is just a, a guy that they're going to bring in to be a hitter. I'm not really impressed by his fielding. Uh, he's might be a designated hitter. Yeah, they're just looking for some production, I think, with obviously the big bat and Lindor leaving. So they're hoping that maybe you bring in a pure bat. Maybe you get some of the offense back. It's obviously got more pop than Lindor, but mm-hmm. doesn't do all the things that Lindor would do for the offense. I just I see it as the the that Cleveland was just sitting around and saw a decent guy on a decent deal, took a shot on a one year. Yeah, I think in the since I want to say 2015, 2016, Eddie Rosario's had 119 home runs, so he clearly has some pop in his bat. He's bats somewhere usually high two seventies to two nineties range. So he's a he's a pretty decent hitter. Um but like you said, they're they're just kind of looking for a one-year prove-it guy to come in and hopefully fill the production or some sort of stopgap for the production that left when Lindor went. Um, the next, another one-year prove-it deal. This was one of the guys that we talked about early in the offseason about being potentially one of the steals of the offseason. He was a guy that I really liked for the Phillies. Uh, the Chicago Cubs get Jock Peterson on a one-year, seven million dollar deal. I think it was, I was a great stunned. Move. You were so stunned. I was stunned that it was that cheap. Yeah, I could have. I could have seen maybe his market getting played down. I would have thought it would have at season, least been ten. I th- I think because of last season and his struggles, his market kind of disappeared, but. I think that's going to pay off re- really well for the Cubs. Yeah. I think Jock Peterson's going to have a bounce back year. And like we said towards the beginning of the offseason, he could be one of the the steals of the the offseason, one of the steals of free agency. So I'm, yeah, I'm really their, looking forward to that. He's their Schwarber replacement, the, yeah. the big lefty bat, but obviously will give you better defense than Kyle Schwarber will. Well, yeah. It's not hard. No, Kyle Schwarber – was oh, just not great. But the next deal that we have is uh, Tommy LaStella trying to figure out what the actual numbers on that are, but he signs a three-year deal. Uh, Will, do you know the number of salary off the top of your head? I don't know the number. Um, I'm 
to be honest, I'm kind of surprised it was a three-year deal. Not going to lie. When I saw it, I was like, this, this is quite interesting. Um, I, I think he's a strong bat. Not, not strong, but just like an average kind of guy that you'd see in the lineup every day. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how well he does, whether or not. Obviously, they saw something in him if they wanted to sign a three-year contract. So we'll see. Yeah, what I mean, I think the Giants got someone who will just come in and be able to help out that franchise. They've been struggling for a while. Um, I'm scouring the internet, but I have not seen a number for the Listella deal. But uh, he's a New Jersey guy, Tommy Listella, went to St. Joe's Montvale or St. Joe's Regional High School in Montvale, New Jersey. Uh, but Jeff, you were pretty high on him at the beginning of the offseason. Tommy Listella, uh, he's a, one of those guys that you could put really anywhere in the field, and he plays pretty well, and he's a decent hitter. Yeah, that's what made me like him. His experience in multiple positions in the infield, and while he's not an overpowering bat, he's a year-in and year-out solid contributor with his bat, and made me think he was a good fit for the Phillies, but for those reasons, he's a good fit for any team, and he's a good fit with the Giants. But I think that'll pay off. And, I mean, the three-year deal, he is 32, but uh, the Giants need help wherever they can get it at this point. They've been struggling for a while. So that really kind of caps off the major free agent moves. Well, we'll, we'll talk about one more at the end of the show re- regarding the Phillies, but – well, uh, Will wanted to talk about the uh, they released the top 100 prospects for the 2021 season. And there's no surprise that Wander Franco is once again the number one prospect in baseball. The Rays actually have eight prospects in the top 100, which is wild. Great farm system. Hopefully that benefits them in the future. But uh, there's some some really surprising ones. I didn't personally didn't expect to see Spencer Spencer Torkelson in the top five this quickly we all knew he was going to be there at some point but did i think he was going to be the number three prospect uh the year after he got drafted the year he got drafted no i'm gonna be honest here i think the biggest i don't want to say surprise i think at how high this person was jason dominguez at age 17 is 32 out of the top 100 I could comment on both of those guys, though. I mean, the thing that both of those guys have in common is they both rake. Obviously, yeah, Torkelson I mean, is further along. He's college bat. Um, and I think that's part of what contributes to him being already at number three. The fact that he is probably not going to sit in the minor leagues for that long. He's, no, I expect him up by potentially the end of this season, but definitely by 2022. Yeah, as a first baseman who is just a pure hitter, can just spray the ball, can hit the ball out of the stadium. There's not much that they're going to have to work on with him. So I think for that reason, you see him higher right away. But for Dominguez, you're talking about a really young uber prospect he's a guy that any team would love to have he's already built like a linebacker (laughs) when he's still a teenager and he's someone who 
maybe it's like a Bryce Harper or Mike Trout where you see them before they hit their 20s. Jason, some of the comparisons. Jason Dominguez at the age of 17 has drawn comparisons to Mike Trout, Mickey Mantle, and Bo Jackson. Are you shitting me? This kid is potentially the most hyped prospect since Bryce Harper, and he's not even 18 yet. Yeah. It's just wild. It's wild how exciting it is to see a 17-year-old, 32nd in the top 100, getting comparisons to Mike Trout and Mickey Mantle. I I am – granted, the Yankees are, are terrible. I hate the Yankees. But I'm excited to see – Jason Dominguez playing in the MLB. And by yeah, terrible, I mean, you mean to... way better than us. Yeah, well, you're yeah. going to have to wait a little while to see Jason Dominguez. Sure. But, uh, and I mean, some of the other the Seattle Mariners have a bright future with Kalenic and Julio Rodriguez. They're going to have a good outfield with Kyle Lewis and them two guys. Uh, Jeff's favorite prospect, Adley Rutschman, should be ready to go for the Orioles this season. Uh, McKenzie, guys like Mackenzie Gore, C.J. Abrams, Nate Pearson, Cabrian Hayes, Casey Mize. These are all names that we're going to be seeing within the next season, half a season. To we're, We'll see them in either 2021 or 2022, and they are going to make serious contributions to their ball clubs. Yeah. So it's exciting to see this next wave of uh, – prospects getting ready to come up and make their impact well guys obviously we we've talked a little bit about the top top region of the top 100 but we still have two phillies in the top 100 (laughs) spencer howard yeah 42 and mick abel at 76 yeah they're in the top 100 in name only um the phillies are the farm system's lacking I will be the first ones to say that. Um, I think they just did. They had to put Spencer Howard in there somewhere. And um, Mick Abel is a very exciting prospect. He's 19 high school arm. You don't see high school arms come into a draft with control like Mick Abel. That, that's usually what holds them back is their control issues. Uh, he has control. He has a, a, an A-plus fastball and a plus breaking ball. So, um I'm hoping that eventually, pretty soon, within the next three, four seasons, we see Mick Abel and hopefully uh, Spencer Howard working with Caleb Cotham can take a step forward this year and be a real contributor to the, the rotation. Yeah, I'm really excited about Mick Abel. I think if there's anyone in the system who should be untouchable, it's him by a lot. But my concern with Spencer Howard is – once these guys make their major league debut, you never want to see them fall down in the prospect rankings the next year. Yeah. And you saw Spencer Howard ranked somewhere in the twenties last year. So it is slightly concerning to see him fall to 42 this year. However, the encouraging part of it is the fact that he hasn't pitched enough innings to even fall off of being like to lose his prospect eligibility. So hopefully we can see him take that step forward. As you said, 
new pitching coach to work with, excite, new exciting pitching coach to work with. Yes. And Spencer Howard flashed some stuff. I mean, his curveball's nasty. He just needs to command it. Same thing with his fastball. His, his fastball's a real major league heater. It's up there, upper 90s. And it's, I think he's going to be an X factor for this year. It's, we need, need, need Spencer Howard to step up and hopefully be a number three, but at least be a four in the rotation this year. I agree. Uh, so that'll be exciting to see. Um, the next, really the next bit of news, it's kind of big talking point. Um, the MLB Hall of Fame voting was last week, and it turns out that there was no one elected to the Hall of Fame this year. No one got to that coveted 75% of the vote mark. Kurt Schilling missed it by 16 votes. And in a move that I think should be totally illegal, you should have your voters' rights rejected for this. There were 14 ballots sent back blank. You mean to tell me there is there are 14 people who look at the who looked at the 25 guys that were on the ballot this year and said, nah, none of them are good enough? That's ridiculous. You should lose your voting privileges in the Baseball Writers Association of, of America for sending in a blank ballot. Look, if you don't want to vote for the the Barry Bonds or the Roger Clemens because you feel their contribution to the game is tainted. That's one thing, but you're still looking at some other names. Like, like I mean, even Kurt Schilling is, so I don't agree with the, the, the knock the on him. Thing with the thing with Sh- Kurt Schilling's, he never like cheated, but the, the he was never uh, an, the of a fan favorite of the writers. A lot of people yes. talk about, the problem with Kurt Schilling is his political views and how he leans so far one way. Uh, but I, I don't think you should really be like, yes, there's a character clause when voting, but I think that applies more towards guys like Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens who were caught cheating or had cheating scandals surrounding them during their playing days. But there, I mean, if you can honestly look at me and tell me that Kurt Schilling doesn't deserve to get votes, a guy like Scott Rowland doesn't deserve to get votes. Billy Wagner, uh, Andrew Jones, Gary Sheffield. There are guys on this ballot that deserve to get votes. And, and the fact that 14 came back blank just blows my mind. Yeah, that's kind of where I was going with that. That I, I don't agree with the, the reasoning behind Schilling either. I think that's kind of ridiculous and shows why maybe the writers shouldn't be the only ones voting on this. Um, but yeah, I mean, Andrew Jones stuck out to me as well. And especially one guy who I think deserves a lot more recognition is Billy Wagner. Uh, that's a guy who I'd like to see get in because uh, previously to Mariano Rivera, it was pretty difficult for relievers to get in. Yeah. And Rivera should kind of be the, the start of allowing more relievers and not the exception. So if I was, if I was a voter on the baseball hall of fame, if I got a baseball hall of fame ballot this year, I would have voted for Kurt Schilling, Scott Rowland, Billy Wagner. And then like, I would have tossed, could have tossed. I think Andrew Jones should 
be getting more votes for what he how he played. Um, one of the guys that kind of flies under the radar on ballots that I think should get into the Hall of Fame might struggle with a little bit in his fifth season, only getting 28 to 28.2% of the votes is Manny Ramirez. I think he's a guy that realistically should be in the Hall of Fame. He has the numbers to back it up over his career, batted 312, 555 home runs with 1,831 RBIs, walked over 1,300 times. He's a guy that I think deserves to be in the Hall of Fame and doesn't get enough love. Yeah. I would agree there. I was a big fan of his production. I'm just wondering if the – I believe he had at least one suspension – for yeah. for uh, uh, some type of PED use. And that could be what's hindering him because you're seeing him kind of close to Sammy Sosa. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he probably would have made my list, though. I, I would have gone Schilling, Bonds, Clemen, Roland, Billy Wagner, Sheffield, Jones, and probably Manny Ramirez. Would have been my ballot. I think it's really interesting. I just think it's interesting that 14 ballots can come back blank. And I mean, and Kurt Schilling has come out and said it. He wants off of the ballot next year. He's going to defer to the Veterans Committee because he thinks, and I think rightfully so, that they'll put him in the Hall of Fame because he doesn't trust the writers anymore realistically yeah, this should have been a year for Kurt Schilling to get into the Hall of Fame realistically um, it should have been a couple years ago but yes but I think with his this being his ninth year on the ballot getting missing it by 16 votes I I I don't I I love that Kurt Schilling is taking the decision out of the writer's hands now um, but that opens the door I think uh, Scott Rowland made a nice push to get himself into the Hall of Fame in the next couple years Billy Wagner did as well, and uh, Gary Sheffield gained, gained some ground. So that's that's where we stand with the Baseball Hall of Fame. Um, I think Will and definitely I know Jeff would agree that we don't think it should be just the writers getting a say in who makes the Hall of Fame. But uh, as of right now, that's the way baseball is. And uh, rest in peace to Shane Victorino. Didn't get any votes on his Hall of Fame ballot, so he will not be a Hall of Famer. Yeah, Sorry, I think Mr. if Flying. I was going to throw – if I was going to throw a vote to one other guy to try and help keep him on the ballot, yeah, it would been I would have gone. I would have gone Barry Zito. Barry Zito. Yeah, I would have tried to keep. I'm not sure he's a Hall of Famer, but I think he kind of deserves to be on the ballot more than one year. Rest in but peace, yeah. Mister Victorino, and your Hall of Fame tips. Okay, and the last, really, the last bit of news that we wanted to get talking about on this podcast. Uh, the Phillies have made another big signing. The Phillies Huge. are on track. Huge to signing. Run it back. They're running it all the way back. Didi Gregorius comes back on a two-year, $28 million contract. And I, for one, love the deal. Sir Didi back again. He was one of the bright spots in the offense. I mean, the whole offense was really a bright spot last year, but uh, I just love watching DD play and Citizens Bank Park is such a friendly, uh, par- a friendly stadium to hit in if you're a left-handed batter. Uh, and I, I just, I loved it. I loved seeing him I, last I, year and I love that we're going to have him for two more years. 
Yeah, I think the the energy that DD brings is just electric. You guys, you know, I've been talking about the hype for DD forever. I, I've always loved the pop that he brings, the consistency that he brings with his bat. But more importantly, guys, I want to point out with this the lineup being brought back, this roster, this lineup was top 10 in RBIs, walks, and fifth in the league last year, averaging 5.1 runs per game. Yeah, I think it was yeah, pretty well set. Yeah, the Phillies had a good offense last year. Too. Yeah, for everyone who's getting kind of negative on the Phillies so far this year, it's pretty tough to be negative on a team where you know they have a really good shot at having a top offense in baseball. All you got to do is look back to last year where we had this offense and they ha- they're they now at another year together, more chemistry and a full year of Alec Bohm. And it's just hard to not get excited about this offense. Yeah, I mean, I think if you uh, are a Phillies fan and you think that our offense was the problem last season, uh, you didn't watch enough games because our offense was the only bright spot in the team last year. Uh, like Will and Jeff just said, the Phillies are returning a top 10, top five offense, one of the deepest lineups in Major League Baseball. And it, it only gets better with time as guys get into a consistency with each other. Um, I, I think the Phillies are going to have, with this offense, we're not, we don't, I'm not going to go anywhere near saying we're the best team in the National League East, but I think if we put it together at the right time, we can make a run at the division title. I think that that's what baseball is really over 162 games. You have to put it together at the right time and just, and have the guys hit and hopefully the pitching comes in. Yeah. Ultimately you've seen it come down in a bunch of years to, who gets hot. There's no question that in 2011 over the whole season, we were a better baseball team than the St. Louis Cardinals. But at the end of the year, the Cardinals were hot. We were not. The Cardinals beat us in one world series. Then rest in peace. And this lineup baseball and Philly. Yeah. This lineup getting hot. That's something that, Every team needs to be worried about. Every pitching staff needs to be worried about. It's so deep and full of top-end talent and just deep one through eight, maybe nine, if there's a DH again. Yeah, and I think that's that's the thing that really sets the Phillies bullpen up or the, the Phillies lineup apart is that they're, they're in most other lineups throughout the MLB, there's guys where you can look at and say, okay, it's not going to be an intense at-bat against them. But when you look at it, the Phillies have – Andrew McCutcheon, who even though he's older, always works the pitcher. Bryce Harper, Reese Hoskins, JT Real Muto, Alec Boehm, Didi Gregorius, Gene Segura, and then whoever they want to play in outfield. It could be split between Spencer How or uh, Spencer Howard, Jesus. Um, Hazley and Kingery. Hazley Kingery, Roman Quinn. Uh, there, the Phillies just have so many options, and uh, it's a deep lineup like jeff said i really hope that there's a universal dh again i think that benefits the phillies greatly um but it's exciting to see that john middleton and dave dombrowski heeded our advice 
they must listen to the podcast and they heard Absolutely. us say run it back. They heard us saying you got to sign JT, then you got to sign Didi. And I think with the contracts that they got both of those guys on, it leaves a little bit of wiggle room in the cap to still go out and get maybe one or two more pieces that just solidify the pitching end of the Philadelphia Phillies, maybe a starter and a reliever. Yeah, there's arms left to be gotten on the, the free agent market. I really like some of the, the names that are starting pitchers. I love the names that are relievers. Yes, you do. You're seeing You're- your guy Jeremy yeah. Jeffers is still on the market. He's still there. You got Rosenthal. There's a bunch, and there's a bunch of names out in Colorado too. That fire sale we were talking about. Yep. So I think the Phillies are uniquely positioned with the contracts that they signed. Yes, if I would have told you three months ago that the Phillies were going to spend the second most uh, the second most amount of money, the second highest amount of money in offseason free agency, would you have believed me? not before the Dombrowski signing right so like as the season ended if I would have told you the Phillies would be the number two spender in this offseason I would have laughed I would have laughed in my own face because Middleton said oh we have the tight budget we're under a financial crunch and then Dave Dombrowski comes in and says no no Johnny boy here's how we're doing this you're gonna give me your checkbook and we're going to win. Yeah, and I mean, thank God for Dave Dombrowski. I'm, I'm really <laughs> excited. Like, it, It's finally hitting me that the Phillies are returning one of the best offenses in baseball, and we've started to plug some of the other holes that plagued our, our team last season and that there's still an opportunity for us to continue to plug those holes. Never thought I'd be hearing it and agree with it, but yeah, thank God. For Dave Dombrowski. (laughs) So now I think the only thing really that's left is for the MLB and the MLB Players Union to agree on a deal. Um, I saw Jeff Passan and Rosenthal and all these guys uh, tweeted out today that there was a deal. The MLB presented a deal on the table, which was 154 game season and a universal DH. And it is expected to be shot down by the Players Union. I think they want a full 162. I don't know if the universal DH is a, a deal breaker. I hope it's not. I'd love to see it, but that's I heard the next expanded step. playoffs are one of the deal breakers for them. Oh, really? Yes. They don't want expanded playoffs, but the good news is once, you know, once you break out that news, people might start to think, Oh no, another, another big stoppage waiting for a deal to be made. Yeah. So this time, if a deal is not reached, then they just start on time. Oh, yes, that's what I heard. There's that's they I don't need a well. deal they, to return. They go the back to the original 162 American League DH, National League no DH, the regular playoffs. We go back to what baseball was pre-COVID. Yes, the only thing that could hinder a season is government like and health officials. Right. So. That's a, it's really exciting to hear that regardless of if there's a deal on the table or not, we will have baseball on time this season. We will have baseball and we will have a top 10 offense returning to Philadelphia. And that my friends, you can count on that prediction. Um, I'm excited in the coming weeks 
we will be rolling out the shooting the shift podcasts official predictions for the MLB season. So look forward to that. There'll be some great betting tips on that one. Maybe make yourself some money, uh, but it's been another week. It's the hot stove is officially on. There's only a couple free agents left and we are the shooting the shift podcast. And we are thankful that the Phillies are running it back. We will see you next week, Jeff and will thanks for hanging out. We only have a little bit of time left, so let's get weird with it. Toddles.